Jones, y'all, here they come now. You see them? Yeah. All I have in this world is my balls, my word. The African anteater ritual. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Someone should tell that girl, you don't have to take your clothes off. Amanda Jones is no minor leaguer who will be swept off her feet at the touch of your amateur lips. Oh, me, Mr. Butterfingers. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. I love you guys. Hey, 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 it's the big master control program everybody's been talking about. I'm so sure. Phone counter guy, thanks for stopping by. Welcome to another installment of our 1980s Look Back podcast, A Fluorescent Decade on a Hill. On this edition, we've got our first crush, getting watched over by a mosaic park dragon, getting to watch science fiction writers scribble in a window, and enemies becoming slow swim buds. But first, a band born in the 1960s gets reintroduced for the MTV generation. This comes up a lot when we chat, but I know the, the only band for you is the Kinks. Well, it's not the only band, but it's the most interesting. As a kid of the 80s, that's the first time I'd ever heard of them. I, I wasn't raised around the 60s rock and roll and all that. So the first thing I remember is Come Dancing. Come Dancing That's how they did it when I was just a kid And when they said Come Dancing My sister always did Which I know might be a bit of a sacrilege to you no no it's it's a very fascinating song because his sister did die on the dance floor really yeah it's a true story uh she had a heart condition she had came home just knowing she was sick but she just gave ray his very first guitar she played the piano they she gave him a couple lessons and that weekend she went out and she never came home. And the next morning they found out she had died, you know, dancing. Wow. She had a, yeah, so. Uh, Ray said it was really bittersweet. He was only 13. Loved his guitar, loved his sister. It, it was just, just how ironic right. that could be. Now, musically, it's amazing how they did they transformed a lot, right? Well, they never had a producer. Uh, they probably, it's their own fault. You know, uh, they managed themselves probably because no one else would manage them. Because actually their manager left them in America. One morning they got up, got in the hotel lobby and they couldn't find a manager. And the manager said, these guys are such friggin' idiots. <laughs> to put it, not that they were stupid, but they were so we were just really crazy and immature mm-hmm. that he uh, left them for Sonny and Cher. Really? <laughs> yeah. And wow. so, you know, all of a sudden now Ray has to manage them. And same thing with the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, man, the songs are fantastic, but they just don't sound well enough mm-hmm. to be played on the radio today. Mm-hmm. Um, and they never redid them in a mm-hmm. good stereophonic way. But uh, I guess my favorite song of the kinks of the 80s would uh, Back Where It Started. As oh, I- yeah. Here We Go Round Again. Yeah. And it's a great video and they were smart because MTV just came out and all these really great bands went away because they were not pretty and MTV oh, was man. all about being pretty yeah and so they had uh, Julian Temple be their director and they just made stories and they weren't the theme and even when they were filmed like in that mm-hmm. particular video they were dressed as clowns oh, that's like right. the Italian carnival clowns mm-hmm. so that was fascinating and just interesting to look at and uh you know they were too old for mtv Mm -hmm. but because clive davis was a huge fan he signed them and uh, they had that big arena rock sound Mm -hmm. you know so uh had like the 60s success mm-hmm. and then they had success in the 70s like in the Lola era and they started doing arenas and then they had another whole thing in the 80s a lot right. of success so uh, they were fortunate to have three decades and don't forget to dance was the other song I remember that was on played on the radio yeah that was you just couldn't turn the radio on without hearing that song 
But if you really listen to it, you know, when it says like that one lyric at the end, like uh, she's dancing with a young guy, even though she could be his mother. And you give them the eye, even though you know that you could be the mother. You do the thing you love the best. You know, it's a nice little ditty, uh -huh. but if you really listen to the lyrics, mm -hmm. in typical Kinks fashion, he had to ruin it <laughs> for, you know, not I'm going to say ruin it. Was it based on a real story? That you I, I don't know the story behind that one. So I think it was like an answer to uh, Come Dancing. Uh, obviously, it seemed like a companion piece. It was on yeah. the same album, right? Yeah, because he does a lot of companion pieces. If you do like Kink's history, you'll notice there's a lot of songs about movies. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of songs about unions mm -hmm. and his dad. Yeah, know. they weren't fans of unions. I remember that. Yeah, like there was just like Frank, Frank Zappa as well had a lot of trouble with them. Yeah, and actually it was the union that kept them out of uh, America. That's how they missed oh, the British right. invasion. They that's were right. the American Music Union would not grant them their uh, visas. Right. So they were stuck, which actually kind of worked because to this day they'll sell tens of thousands of records from the '60s, mm -hmm. and they become the quintessential English band. Right. I find it interesting that the unions had that much power to grant visa in this country. Yeah, he didn't even know. No one knew what happened until almost 20 years later, really, to get the story straight. Right. And it wasn't like music unions they were against. It was like they watched his dad. They have songs like Get Back in Line, mm -hmm. you know, and like people would get in line every morning mm -hmm. just and hopefully get picked to go to work that day. Okay. You know, so. And it was all kind of like the unions decided that in England? Well, you know, I think they had a lot of power. But at the same time, it wasn't necessarily just the union, it's just any kind of uh, authority that mm -hmm. decides whether you're going to eat that day. Right. Now, I, I remember that they weren't big fans of Margaret Thatcher, but she was credited for breaking the hold that the unions had over the country, that where it was kind of out of control and, and they just would kind of screw the country yeah. to get what they wanted. For the real problem we face today is we've lived through quite a long period now of increasing trade union power. Well, they have a fantastic song, Dear Margaret. Mm -hmm. uh, Dave sings that one in his very high, raspy voice. Mm -hmm. Dear Margaret, we trusted you. Mm -hmm. We like the way that you wiggle when you walk. <laughs> Something to that effect. I haven't heard that in years. But, right. um, Yeah, you know, it's like anything with politics. Mm -hmm. I think you easily get disillusioned, you know. Oh. So, so they liked her at first, but I, then... I, that's the way the song goes, but right. you never know, you know. I, I think that might have been true of even uh, her own party, the conservatives. At first, she was great, and then towards the end, she didn't want to let go. Yeah. That's what I understand. Right. And, um, yeah, they were not a fan at the end. I know that. Right. Next up, Zimbabwean woman tells of her first crush that grew into a first love back in our favorite decade. Okay, so tell me about your first crush. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> I was in high school. We, you know, we had this bus stop that was like um, about two kilos away from home. I, I went to an old girls school. And this was in Bulawayo? In Bulawayo, uh -huh. Montrose Girls High. And it was right next to a boys' high school, uh, Hamilton. Mm -hmm. So what happened is that the they'll put us all in the same bus because we're in the same area mm. so yeah there was this guy i had a huge crush on him for two years oh wow <laughs> two years i didn't say anything you didn't like pass notes or no i was i was very i was one of those very shy people very modest did he ever talk to you hi probably like one of those you know highs and um and you, know, you would you would just melt and <laughs> within <laughs> within myself <laughs> and um I think I also didn't have much confidence in myself. Mm. So there were these pretty girls, you know how it is in the bus, they, they knew they were pretty, you know, oh. had, had it all, and they felt like they could get him, and you know, I, I then felt So everybody like, wanted him. 
kind of. Oh, okay. Yes. So then I found out that he was actually doing, um, I think this is two years later now, first aid. Uh, it's in Jones in Fomona. That's like after school. Uh-huh. And I decided to join uh-huh. first aid just to try and, you know, get to awesome. talk to him. <laughs> that's, that's good. And, that's, uh, you got a plan. Yeah, I had that plan. And that's how we actually, you know, because what happens, we, we, we were staying in the same area. So then we'd mm. walk together to the bus, you know, uh-huh. bus stop, take the bus together. So we actually started, you know, interacting uh-huh. and he asked me out and yeah, we were boyfriend and girlfriend. We got to the library together. Aww. Um, and uh, yeah, look, there's nothing much we did really. We would see each other, sneak up when I got to the library, see each other, talk uh-huh. and uh-huh. that was basically what we hold did. Hands. Hold hands. Uh-huh. And I remember the first kiss. Um, <laughs> Do tell. We had, yeah, let me tell. <laughs> um, okay. I was brought up um, Catholic, uh-huh. I'm sure you know, uh-huh. and he was Jehovah's Witness. Oh. And I was one of those in-depth Catholics, like um, from a young age, I was, um, uh, I don't know what you call the flower girls, to the youth, to uh-huh. the choir, I was so involved in, in, in my religion and I had, I had questions, I had so many questions about certain things, like about God, about, uh-huh. you know, you just get curious. Right. And I remember the one time asking um, the priests a few questions. And they say to me, no, you shouldn't ask too much, you know. Mm. Yeah, you're not allowed to ask too much. And that didn't satisfy, mm-hmm. you know, me. And when I got to know, okay, my, his name is Russell. Mm-hmm. When I got to know him and he found out about his religion and he started telling me about what they do, just the difference be- between us and them and the fact that they were able to, to answer most of the questions that I really? had. changed, yeah, it changed a lot of things for me. Yeah. And so then I became curious. I'd leave on Sunday and not go to my church and go to his church. Whoa. Yeah. It caused trouble in my family. What used to happen is that when Jehovah's Witnesses would knock at our gate, I didn't understand then who they were. My grandma would always chase us, you know, chase us to go to the front. I, uh-huh. didn't, I didn't know what it was all about uh-huh. up until I got to actually start going there. And then there was so much talk and you know, they'd tell me that they'd disown me if I, uh-huh. if I go there, wow. all of other things. And... Um, so then what happened is that I started going back to Catholic. I didn't want too much trouble. So since I was in the youth, I was friends with guys there as well because we're in the youth together. It's all innocent. Mm-hmm. And um, the one day I was meeting up with Russell at the library and uh, the guys from my youth were also at the library. So obviously I had a chat with them and then, then I went to sit with him. He was not happy about that. So he went on and on and um, I was very upset about it and I cried. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, this was very unexpected and he, he lifted my chin and kissed me. <laughs> it was the best kiss ever and it was it was awesome. It was Oh great. It was good. It was uh, yeah, it was Oh that's sweet. I loved him. Yeah. And that kind of fixed problems for a minute? Yeah, it did. Okay. It did. And yeah, he broke my heart. What happened is that we wrote our um, they call it all level, which is a form four. And um, I didn't do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what used to happen with us is that every end of the year, we'd go to the rural areas. Mm-hmm. You know, wouldn't stay in town to, to my grandparents, like to the farms, mm-hmm. to go and help them with the farm. You've been there, right? Right. Yeah. So we'd, we'd go there every end of the year. So when I wrote my exams, I went there. End of the year is normal. Came back, got my results. I didn't do well. We, we used to write letters then because, you know, we're not using phones. So I wrote me a letter uh-huh. just to explain that, oh, look, I didn't do very well. So... You know, I'm probably going to repeat and blah, 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 blah. Um, he didn't respond. Okay, so I don't know what to think. And then I waited. I don't remember how long I waited. I wrote a second letter. Nothing. That letter. Nothing. Oh, no. So I didn't know what to think. I I don't know. I felt like maybe I disappointed him because mm-hmm. he was one of those, you know, A students. Brilliant uh, guy. So I didn't know what to think. I started thinking a lot of things. And I felt so less of myself. And I... I got angry and then I decided that, you know what, I'm not going to sit and wait for this anymore. Right. He's not communicating with me. That's it. So I wrote my last letter to just say, look, I think let's just break it up. The day I posted the letter, the day I received a letter from him. Oh, no. Yeah. And but- in his letter, it was like he was explaining the challenges he'd been going through because now he was also in trouble with the fact that he was dating a Catholic girl. Oh. Yeah. So I think he was being discouraged and that, a whole lot of did things. Did he even get your letters, do you think? Actually, I don't know if he did. Hmm. Now that you he say that. He might have been intercepted or something. Maybe. So anyway, he explained to me that he'd been having issues, and but then he still wanted us to see each other. So. Oh, no. But I'd made up my mind because I think I was just too angry and right. I just said, you know what, this is it. You, you know? couldn't chase the postman down? 
I couldn't. It was too late. I posted it in the post box. Okay. You know. You can break it open. Yeah, but no. Look, I think I think it affected me so much emotionally yeah. more right. than anything else. It was not. You worry out. Yeah, he broke. He sort of broke my heart because I cried. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know what to do because we had been so so close mm-hmm. for for a long time, and then for him to just go off like that and. Mm-hmm. It didn't make any right. sense, yeah. So I sort of gave up, and I was too angry. And I. So did you ever talk to him ever again? Well, what happened is then I met Jones. Um, that's your husband now. That's my husband now. Yeah. I met Jones. Um, Jones was very different from Russell. Um, he was very exciting, um, <laughs> too touchy feely, mm-hmm. uh, which scared me and excited me at the same time. Right, I didn't right. really understand, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And yeah, so Jones and I saw each other for three months, and I think I actually fell in love with Jones. Mm. And we had to take the holiday again to the rural areas. When I came back, when I went for the holiday, actually Rose, my sister, stayed behind. So when I came back, she was like, "Oh, you know, I have no idea. Jones was busy with other girls. He was busy with this girl. Blah 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 blah." So I broke up with him as well, and I left it at that. And then I didn't see Russell. I think Russell and myself. It was just that was it for some time. And then uh, two years down the line, I think, I started seeing Jones again. What changed your mind on him? Nothing changed my mind. What happened is we became friends. Mm-hmm. It was just like, okay, you know, we're friends and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I started talking about, you know, everything that had happened with him, the girls you were seeing, the things that I heard about him, mm-hmm. things I didn't like. So it's not like we, when we started seeing each other, it, was like we, it wasn't like we're dating. It's just like, you know, yeah. we're friends. Mm-hmm. And that friendship sort of, I don't know, it, it just developed into something else bigger. Uh-huh. And I just disregarded everything else, like the whole past. And mm-hmm. I fell in love with him again. Oh, okay. And um, now, you know, things are getting a little bit serious. Russell came into the picture. He wanted to talk to me. Mm. But then I think the day he came to try to speak to me, Jones was there. And Jones, yeah, oh, wouldn't allow him to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And yeah, that was it with him. That's... That was it. So you don't know what's happened to him? Um, I know he's married now. Okay. I know he's married. He's got kids. I spoke to his brother mm-hmm. on Facebook mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. So he's back. okay. Yeah. He's, re- he's recovered from I'm him. sure he is. <laughs> he finally got over it. I'm sure he is. Okay. Yeah. So that was my first crush. Did you all have a song? Yes. Did, uh, we did have a song. He, he was... He was a good singer. He actually sang it to me. Um, I don't think it's a song that we hear on radio. I don't know if it is... But, um, Can you sing it or, or? Yeah, I remember the song. Yeah. <laughs> Tim. <laughs> Tennessee. Waltz? Probably. It's a, it's a ballad. Like the other ten, uh, it's a ballad. Tennessee Waltz. Yes, that's that? the one. Yeah. That is the one. As, uh, that's so crazy because you're yeah. Zimbabwe and we're sitting here in Tennessee. Yes, yeah. funny. You saying that to me and I just. Wow. I just loved him even more. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> he had such a beautiful voice. Oh, it, yeah. He was just amazing. Okay. Sing? <laughs> I was dancing with my darling to the Tennessee Waltz and an old friend I happened to see him. I'll introduce him to my loved one and whilst they were dancing, my old friend. I don't remember the words now. And then I remember the night in the Tennessee Waltz. Jesus, you've taken me back. Yeah, <laughs> you're taking me back. Yes, that's back. great. Yeah. Speaking of Tennessee. Our next 80s kid tells about hanging out with other strays in Nashville at a spot called Dragon Park. It's a park in Nashville. It's just a little, you know, end of the block. It's not huge. It's right across from Vanderbilt on mm-hmm. 21st. It's still there, but um, in the 80s, this would have been 86, 87. It's got like a mosaic dragon, too. It's got a mosaic dragon. They had some playground equipment. Um, had? Ha- I mean, they have. Oh, okay. But it was definitely more... more Rundown. I actually got stoned for the first time in one of the forts. You, you know, get stoned with the dragon? I didn't get stoned with the dragon, but I, I, I got stoned with a buddy in the middle of the day. I got caught with beer there once. It wasn't even opened because we didn't have a <laughs> can opener. <laughs> 
actually I remember like the cops were they were harassing me and my friend and she had beer on her and I was with her so I I got a citation and and I told them I was like you know they're drug dealers 10 feet from us I could introduce you to them I said we didn't do anything we couldn't even open our beers I didn't like beer I wasn't gonna drink it yeah that's what they all say I'm sure the cops think yeah right but um Oh, it sucked is that not only did I have to go to, like, drunk school or drunk, you know, like, some sort of citation, but my mom had to go as well, and she was so pissed. Oh, yeah. She was so mad at her. Your mom had to go? My mom had to go. Because? Because I got caught with a beer in a public park. And she's a bad mom, obviously. Obviously. Wow. Oh, my God. I don't know if she's forgiven me for that or not. When you graduate drunk school, do you get, like, a <laughs> diploma or something? Or? I, I got it expunged from my records. So. Okay. But, yeah, it was... Misfits, like there are no misfits today. There was one guy that was living in the park. So I had a car, which I was one of the few people that did. I was, it was my mom's car, but I would borrow it. And she would send me with my brother because she figured my little brother would rat on me if I got into trouble. Mm. And what happened instead is that my little brother learned how to smoke and steal. Oh, great. <laughs> so, bad move, mom. Bad move, mom. But I used to drive everybody out to the Franklin Theater to go see Rocky Horror. Uh-huh. And um, one night, it was raining really bad, dropped everybody else off, and this guy that, was, that had been living in the park was asleep in the back seat. And instead of like kicking him out in the rain, I brought him home. My, my parents freaked out, and I said, he's living in the park, he hasn't had a shower in who knows how long. He's a young fellow? He's a young fellow, he was maybe a year or two older than me. So I would have been 17, he was maybe 19. He slept on the couch. He got to have a real shower, you know. I actually met him years later. He turned out, I didn't know this at the time, but he is a friend of a, of a friend, or he's a brother of a friend. We met decades later, and he still remembered that gesture. He's doing better now? Yeah, he's great. He, he was... He doesn't live in the park alone? No, he was married and divorced and had kids, and, okay. you know. Just so he was just going through a bad time? He's going through a bad time. Yeah. You know. I think at that point, like, being on the streets in Nashville wasn't detrimental. It was just, you know, there were a bunch of kids that just didn't want to be home. Didn't want to be at home. Right. You know, during the summer, there were places where you could crash mm-hmm. and people would feed each other. Yeah. Um, when I turned 18, it was the summer of '88, just graduated, and I took all of my allowance or birthday money, whatever. I think I had like 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I went to Domino's and bought. 10 pizzas, 20 pizzas, whatever you could buy mm-hmm. for that. And I fed everybody in the park. Like I just had a pizza party wow. for all the punk kids that were hanging out there. Huh. And that was one of the best birthdays. Wow, just that's like, okay, because cool. some people, you know, had homes to go to and some didn't. And right. some were, you know, poor and some were rich. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I felt like a, sub- a suburban poser because that's kind of what I was. I don't see kids have that sense of community or yeah. compassion. I don't, I don't know. I just don't see kids. No, it's, it's somebody else should do something about that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the mantra today. Mm-hmm. Post a thing on Facebook about it and then be done right. with it. Right. Yeah. Oh, I liked it, so I did something. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of dragons, our next guest tells about getting to hang out at a bookstore specializing in dragons and spaceships, both. It was unique. There was nothing like it in the world. Uh, the closest was something in London, a bookstore called Dark They Were and Golden Eyed, which was a bookstore that was actually an inspiration for this one, which in West L.A. was called A Change of Hobbit. And it was run by Sherry Gottlieb. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And she, in her early 20s, simply decided to start a bookstore that was all science fiction. And we were near UCLA, and the bookstore was near UCLA. I was near UCLA because my parents taught at UCLA. I was 
In the early 70s, I was in junior high school, and this bookstore just happened to be within a few blocks of my junior high. And so I and some of my friends would walk over there after school and hang out, and it was wonderful. It was all kinds of science fiction, and I think there was a saying somewhere that said, uh, reality is for those who cannot handle science fiction. <laughs> and there was an aquarium there with fish, and each fish was named with a punny style after some sort of science fiction author, like Theodore Sturgeon was, was an uh, easy one. Yes. There were new books, there were used books, uh, there were places, just pillows, where you could just sit and hang out. And I'm a poor student, and so I could just sit there and, and hang out with my friends. Uh, they did these wonderful promotions. For example, Harlan Ellison, the author, who was also in L.A., he would sit in the, in the front window of the store and write a book or write a story wow. so you'd actually see an author at work. And I remember he had this like beaker near him that was like boiling water that he could uh -huh. make tea or coffee with. That's interesting because, you know, he has a reputation of not being uh, super social. And I find that just fascinating that he would sit in a social situation and write. He really promoted that store. He would write articles, I think, for the UCLA student uh -huh. newspaper. And it, yeah, he just really liked it. And I've seen him a few times over the years. He also did, at the time, an extension course for UCLA that was called 10 Tuesdays Down a Rabbit Hole. Mm -hmm. And he invited science fiction authors to come and talk about it. And we'd often see the creative process at work, real time on the stage. And he also asked those who uh, were interested to write a story as a kind of a, a final exam for the course. And I wrote a story and I got a horrible grade. <laughs> I mean, I was just a kid. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, um, but, but it was, it, it was great. And he later published a book called Medea. I think it was called Harlan's World, where he included quotes from people that had been involved with the class. And one of the quotes was from me. And oh, I was cool. just so delighted to see my name yeah. in print. Right. <laughs> it, was, it was a huge, huge deal. So uh, that was junior high school. And then even in high school, once I was able to drive, my high school was farther away, but I would drive back and I would hang out there at the store. And then I joined the Air Force in the late 1970s. And then when I was back for leave or... Uh, when I was out of the service, I would come back and go to the store. They eventually, the store got much larger and moved to a much larger location in Santa Monica, uh, where it was like a, a huge proper store instead of just kind of taking over a, a small storefront. There was a huge dragon hanging from the mm -hmm. ceiling, and it was just a great place. I don't think it's around anymore. Uh, there's a, a website, Sherry has a website, and she's done some things with, I think, writing stories and advising authors, and, and she's... Uh, helped people write resumes. And uh, there's another store that opened up in Northern California, I believe, that was called Other Change of Hobbit. Oh, really? Uh, because it was, yeah, it was just saying you couldn't be a Change of Hobbit because that was the store right. that was in L.A. And that, that store was a huge part of my childhood. You feel like Sherry was a bit of a mentor to you? Uh, yeah. Not Sherry so much because she wasn't always there when I was there. She had staff. Mm -hmm. Um but that she'd created this space, mm -hmm. I, I would say, was, was huge for me. And I did get to meet and got to know several of the staff. And also the, the, the bathroom in this place was just covered with quotes. People were writing in and they were famous authors and they would do little doodles of things to do with science fiction and Star Trek. And I still remember some of those doodles to this day because they were such a, a, a big impression on me at the time. Uh, seeing a, someone had drawn, a really nice artist had drawn a picture of Sherry uh, on the wall there. And, and yeah, there was just a lot of really funny sci-fi graffiti. So I would just stay in there for a long time reading everything. Yeah, it was a big, big influence on me. some parties there which were grown-up parties that were in the evening and, and those weren't things for me I was just a kid I would go there in the afternoon and it was the place that I and my friends would meet and there were these bubblegum packs called wacky packs that would have a stick of gum but the main reason you got it was because of the cool other stuff in it and there were stickers 
And I was so into collecting all those stickers, had to get them all. And and we'd meet there and we'd trade and we'd have a book uh, where I'd have a book where I'd put all the stickers in order. Mm -hmm. And it was like a stamp collecting thing. And, and that was my thing. I would go to A Change of Hobbit and sit there and read some science fiction because sometimes I couldn't afford the books. And so I'd sit there and read a, a used book. And, they didn't run you off. Um once or twice, I kind of got a stern look, you yeah. know, saying, Ilanka, you've been there for a long... You've been sitting there reading that book for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but as long as we, we kind of kept moving, it, it wasn't really an issue. At A Change of Hobbit, one of the things was I was always kind of asking the staff there, had they heard anything about Robert A. Heinlein? Uh, had they heard anything about a new book coming out or a new story coming out? I was kind of a pest about it uh, because I'd read everything he'd ever written. And I mean everything he'd ever written, and usually many, many times over. And what's your favorite book of his, if you have one? Oh, um, that's tough because it would often depend kind of on my mood. Uh, when I was younger... Uh, oof, um, have spacesuit will travel was a big one um, uh, and some of the books kind of changed titles uh, day after tomorrow was a big one for me uh, and, and some of the characters kind of transitioned from book to book to book to book uh, so there, there was this family stone um, and then moon is a harsh mistress was more on the adult side it was kind of political about the idea of uh, a revolution that was happening on the moon as the moon was trying to break away from the political uh -huh. uh, control of the earth. And that I read over and over. And the, the whole idea of having an artificial intelligence in the computer there was, was just like, yeah, of course, that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. uh, Stranger in a Strange Land, I read many, many, many times. Um, I think I grok it. Yeah, grok. There's so <laughs> many terms from that book that have just kind of worked their way into modern culture. Rock. I use that term just mm -hmm. periodically. It, it's just a natural. It's use. almost like the uh, Mason secret handshake <laughs> to, to, to find each other. If you use the word grok in a conversation, yeah. uh, you'll uh, weed people out. And, and when I meet people who don't read science fiction mm -hmm. uh, and I want to start them on it, I always give them Robert A. Heinlein's Glory Road, which is it, it's, it's an adventure story. And then they read it and they, they go, I want to read more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I actually, I, I wouldn't say I met Robert A. Heinlein. I saw him once, and I was at a convention in southern England, and he was there. And I remember the ballroom was kind of crowded. There were all these people, and he walked across the ballroom. And the, and the crowds in the ballroom just parted, mm -hmm. like he was royalty. Really? And, and he kind of stepped, and he was nodding to the left and right, wow. just like royalty as, as he went through. And... Just that moment was, was huge for me. It's like burned into my memory. I got to see Robert A. Heinlein. Lastly, don't you love hearing two old guys with bad memories trying to recollect unimportant events from 30 years ago? My best friend during my latter high school days and I try to remember how we even became friends in the first place. So, me and you are, are, have been friends going on how, how many years now? Well, that's the thing. I don't know because I know we were friends our senior year because we were on the swim team together. And that was, when was the swim team? Like, November, December through something. I know it was winter time. Right. Because don't you remember that time I was staying over at your house and like the night before it like snowed like six or eight inches and me and you walked to, we had like a Saturday morning practice. Oh, yeah. And me and you walked to the practice because your mom had left or something. I mean, there's no one there to take us. Uh -huh. So we walked from your house to the high school in the snow <laughs> and we were like bundled up. We had like, I borrowed some of your scarves and. <laughs> I think a sweater. It's only a couple of miles. Yeah. You know, I was kicked off the bus back in grade school, so I, I wasn't allowed in the busing system. So I, I just had to walk everywhere. And my sisters, too. We all got blown off. Why? The, the farmer who was the bus driver, he said we talked too much. 
and uh, the three Buchanan kids causing a ruckus. All right. So I remember you back in grade school because, okay, for those listening in our town, we have two grade schools, and you came from Oakdale, and I was at Logue. Now is that there was two schools in Boonville, but didn't kids come to the middle school from Tennyson? Okay, let's back up because you're confusing things. Okay. For people that are just so in our town, there's two grade schools. Right. There's Oakdale and Logue, and the town is what? What? Just a few miles long. Yeah. Yeah. Is that that many people? Yeah. But and then when we go to junior high, then those two schools go to the same junior high as well as some other townships, mm-hmm. like Elberfeld, I think, and Yankee Town, possibly. Yeah. Doesn't matter. But you came to Logue, I think, in fifth, from, from Oakdale. fifth grade. And right. you were like the new kid. And we were all like, oh, wow, this has got a new kid, you know. But that shine wore off pretty quickly. I was a shiny new toy. Yeah. You were kind of a dud, so. Yeah. But that's, that's how I remember you. But I don't, we weren't friends or anything. We weren't in the same class. I just remember, of course, I hated to move. I was so mad at my parents because I had so many friends. See, the neighborhood I grew up in. I guess you call it in Boonville. All the houses were really close together, right. and there was a bunch of kids around my age, or most of them were a little bit younger. But I had so many friends, and you know, we always had a good time and stuff. Then we moved out to the country in Boonville. It was bordered between us and another town called Chandler. Right. And there's like little kids there, but not, nobody around my age. Right. It was out in the country. But then I ended up loving it because, you know, uh, Mom and Dad, they bought me a motorcycle. There was a pond behind our house. It wasn't on our property, mm-hmm. but I'd go over there fishing all the time. We had a big woods. My dad built us a tree house back our property. We'd mm-hmm. go back there and play, and I ended up loving it. So so get to the point of yeah. us. The, I, I seem to remember that we were both vying for the attention of a group of boys. We called them the Bullet Town Boys. And then... Warwick County, outside of Boonville, there's a township. It's not even a, it's just an area, like a bunch of trailers and a couple, yeah. couple of cabins. But anyway, these guys were real funny. They're real tight together. Right. They're kind of cynical. But, you know, I, I wanted to be in their club because I didn't have anything else going on. I didn't have any, too many friends. And I think you were trying to get in with them as well. Well, let me ask you about that. And I remember not liking you because I, I, sometimes you would get their favor and right. more than me. So, let's jump to the next thing I remember. I'm speeding through it just for the okay. sake of people they are dying right now. They're um, <laughs> <laughs> on pins and needles. But I remember our major interaction was in biology class. Was it Mr. Winslet, possibly? I think it started before that. Didn't we hang out in front of the school? Yeah, that's true. Guys? With the Bullet Town Boys, yeah. And you were there, and I was right. there. And yeah. we were just all talking and stuff. Right. And... But I remember the incident where I really didn't like you, kind of. When you used to sit in the back with this guy, we'll call him Brett. Yeah. And I used to sit with this girl, and don't ask me why she was so nice to me. She was beautiful. And she was kind of a loner. She didn't seem to... What was her first name? Sandy. Okay. She's a red-haired girl. Yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah, she didn't seem to hang out with a lot of other girls for some reason. And she always came from swim class the, the period before. I remember that because her hair was always kind of ha- a little wet still. Yeah. But she was friendly with me for some reason. So we used to sit back there and talk. And I think one of you guys had it bad for her. Probably everybody in that class. Ah, it wasn't me. Might have been Brett or something. I thought she was pretty, but... Yeah, somebody. But it was me, Brett, and Amanda. Amanda and I have a bit of a history. Her her mother and right. my mother didn't like each other. Right. Well, I, I take it back. Her mother didn't like my mom. My mom really did try to be friends, but we were neighbors and there was an incident and you know how that goes. Right. So, all to say... The, one more reason. But she never did say anything bad about you. Yeah, I, I don't think... Her and her dad were always... She's really nice. Yeah, her and her dad always spoke to us. Yeah. So, in her defense. Yeah. But her mother was... As a matter of fact, me and Amanda walked uh, graduation. our graduation. We yeah. were always friends through high school. So. so, at some point, you guys decide... I had a clipboard. Yeah. I don't know if it started out with spitballs or what, but I somehow had rigged up my... The clipboard part, the metal part... It has a spring on it. It had a spring on it. And I was using it to flip things through the air. And I think I think it was Brett's idea. I don't think it was my idea. But he had like a short pencil or something. And he put it on the end. just wanted me to flip it. And we, 
I don't think we were aiming at you because I because <laughs> that was like kind of like a deadly. Well, it was hard to tell. You know what happened? Happened. I think we were just trying to get a, across the room, uh-huh. and it ended up. We're, did it hit, it hit you? It hit me right between the eyes. <laughs> but I, with the with the pointed end. Yeah, the pointed. But and did the, the lead break off? No, I didn't break off of it. <laughs> oh my god. No, but it, it was. I just don't. I remember doing that, but I just don't remember hitting you. Yeah. And I remember you guys looked like terrified after it happened. Yeah, because I mean, like, we almost killed a classmate. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you just like happen to turn around, or were you looking at us, or I don't know? Maybe you called my name or something. I I thought it was directed at me, I, and I understood. I wasn't mad because I understood you guys probably didn't mean to get as close as you did. No, it was not intentional. Right? Why would I have animosity against you or something? It just I always thought it was because me and Sandy were friends, and I thought no. I was not. She was definitely cute, but yeah. and see, me and her were friends. Oh yeah, okay. Both of us was friends with everybody. I don't, I don't remember anyone in class. I maybe you did that was like, like really hated each other. I don't remember. I think our class got along. Yeah, I don't. Good. I don't remember any problems in that class. No. Well, anyway, so that that was a, a definitely a big interaction. But that that was our freshman year. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really become friends until in the latter part, maybe. Was it junior or, or senior? I'm going to say junior because I, I remember getting my license and then me and you going around and doing stuff. Right. Driving around. Yeah. Listening to... Um... Maybe it was because of Brett, as I think back, because Brett and I were... And, and we were good friends. Right. And sometimes we would all three drive around together and Brett would play. I remember it, this, the same cassette all the time. Oh and I, God. I'm almost positive it was Europe. Oh, my God. All the time. Yeah. He played that for like two years straight. <laughs> you know, the final Every count- time we got in the car. Yeah, the final countdown, man. He had a truck. It wasn't a car. It was a truck he had. And every time we got in that truck, he would play that. At one time. It was like no other music existed. <laughs> we never played the radio. Nothing. It right. was that tape. Right. It drove me crazy. It's the Well, anyway, I was on the swim team. I had been since, uh, I think, middle school. So, and I think I invited you to come. I said, yeah, it's fun, you know. Yeah. And you said, oh, I suck. I can't swim. Well, (laughs) I think what happened was I hadn't played a sport. So, I don't know if you, I ever told you this or you remember this. I tried out for the basketball team. And during tryouts, I had jammed my finger real bad. There was just no way I could, Mm -hmm. you know, go any further. So I dropped out of that, and then I think you had talked to me about the swim team. Yeah. So. And you came in, and you started winning our races for us? and <laughs> No. I think I won the award for most consecutive last places. Yeah. You were I pretty was bad. I was really bad. But we had fun. But you were good. I mean, I was okay. what was that long race that you would do? What oh, was that. Called? Well, it was the 500. The 500. Yeah. I mean, I'm. you were good at that. Well, yeah, it's just because I got outlast everybody. Everybody else got tired, and I could go on forever. Yeah. In the summertime, they had a, a mile one, and I would always do well at that because people just kind of, they start off strong, and then they would eventually run out of energy, so. What do you mean the summer one? Well, they had summer swim tournaments. It was like a, di- a league or something? Yeah, it wasn't the high school. It was like, yeah, like a private group. Okay. We swam at the high school, but it I was... I never a, did do that. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it was so lengthy that they would put the numbers down in the, on a, you know, like a plastic placard. So you, cause you can't, no way you keep track of how many laps oh, you gotta yeah. do to make a mile. Oh, yeah. uh, neither here nor there, but yeah, so you weren't too good. And they were just needing bodies, I think. I think right. if they would, had been so many people over that I wouldn't have made it. But I think that we were both in it for the same reasons, really, just to meet people and go to different yeah. towns. Cause you get the, and I'm not saying this to be 
mean or even funny, but they the swim team was pretty low in the priority. We didn't make much money for the school or right. anything like that. They would give us a short bus, literally, right. the, the the special ed bus, and we would go. And we were small anyway. Yeah. Um, and we'd go to different places. But I, I had a blast. Oh yeah. I mean, even though I was terrible, uh-huh. I had so much fun. And what became my eventual demise was the the guys who were really good. They were all about the you know serious mindset. Oh yeah. They didn't like us talking to the enemy, supposedly, you know, the other team. But I was there to socialize. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was a little lopsided, I suppose. But Well, and also, too, we didn't take the swimming seriously. Right. I mean, I, you were good. I practiced a lot. I mean, I did take that part seriously. Yeah. But I, if I lost or if I came in second, I didn't care. Yeah, we didn't care. Yeah. And they was all about winning. Yeah, they're all hollering all the time. And, yeah. Oh, you got to do a victory lap now when we win. I'm like, come on, guys. It's... it's What's the point of that? Yeah, and and I and I like all these guys. We're all we've all kind of grown up now, and but uh, they would want to march in with the jam box playing. Um, we will rock you, or we are, we the, are champions. the champions. Yeah, I even told them I was like, you guys, you know, that's like the the anthem for the homosexual parades or something <laughs> in, in San Francisco. I mean, if, you, if that's what you guys are into, that's cool. But it, <laughs> of course, that's not what they were into. But anyway, and then you and the coach didn't get along. Yeah. Because we weren't I think serious about it. That and we were both smart alecks, both of us. Mm-hmm. He could be smart aleck, and I couldn't be smart aleck back. It was that lopsided thing. Right. But, you know, he coached us like he was our friend. And at some point, he started to get more serious. And I think I didn't make the change, you know. Yeah. I remember the at one point, they were going to increase the practices. So we had to come in before school. Oh, yeah. At, like at 5 or 6 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And after school, and it was really bad for me because, as we mentioned before, I had to walk, you know, a few miles, and so I had to go even extra early. And afterward, you know, it's when Saturdays. Yeah, and Saturdays, I wouldn't have any time to or do homework or just to be a person. And I, I said, well, I'm not coming in the morning. I can tell you that. And he said, well, then you're off the team. And I didn't know he was that serious. And I came in the next practice, and I guess I had missed that that morning practice. And he said, what are you doing here? And I, he said, I was serious, and that was it. Hmm. So, Well, I remember we was talking about the snow, mm-hmm. walking through the snow. Because we had to walk so far, and it was through the snow. Mm-hmm. Me and you were like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes late. I know he was mad about that. You should come pick this up. Yeah, I was just like, dude, we just walked, what did you say, two miles? It's like two or three miles, yeah. It's freezing cold. <laughs> you know, walking through the snow, I was like, just be glad we got here. Yeah, you know? uh, he's... Yeah. Well, anyway, but we became buds, and uh, yeah. I, I know being friends with you, you had to like Depeche Mode. So with different colors and with different grades, and different people have different needs, it's obvious you hate me, though I've done nothing wrong. Yeah. Kind of like Brett was to Europe, you were to Depeche Mode. Now you had more than just Depeche Mode. I started listening to Depeche Mode when I was in middle school. Wow. Like when wow. Yeah. Well, you you definitely enlightened me because I didn't know it. I all I knew was people were people. That was it. Yeah. But I I got into him after that. Going back to them being serious after you had got kicked off the team, of course I stayed on because it was just like another month or so left, month or two or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it was just halfway through the season. But I was starting to get kind of mad at them and I about you know they was getting so serious about stuff and. Like, with me, I'm not a competitive person. Like, I will try to win. I'll do everything I can to win. But if I don't win, I don't get mad. Mm. You know, and throw a fit like some people do. You know, all these winners men- mentality. So anyway, like I said, I was coming in like last place most of the time. And then towards the end, I started getting kind of good. And I was coming, maybe not in last place, but... You ne- know, next to last. Next to last or something. You know what I'm saying? It still wasn't good, but... Anyway, they was talking about shaving down, oh, yeah. like shaving their legs and shaving their head. And they was like, well, it'll take, you know, like a second or two off your time. I was like, I need like 15 seconds to start competing with, you know, the fifth place person, you know. Uh-huh. I was like, that's not going to do me any good. And I didn't want to do it. And so I didn't. Matter of fact, I was so mad about it. You know how they wear the Speedos? Uh-huh. I would wear the long, like... <laughs> Swim shorts to swim meets. Those things are drag city. Oh man. yeah, because I didn't. Because I ain't we got no pockets speed. and yeah, I ain't getting in no speedo. You know what I'm saying? Because I was embarrassed. Uh, you know, and 
And even if I would have not been embarrassed, I still would have worn my long swim trunks. You know, because I was just like, a Speedo would have added, what, half a second to my time. And like like I said, I was like, when, when I got done with race, everyone was out of the pool and I was like still in the water. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. It was like one of these things. Yeah, they'd gone to get something to eat. Yeah, they went and got something to eat and you know, went and visited with everybody. And I was, I was still, it was just getting ridiculous towards the end. And yeah. at, towards the end, I was starting like, you know, this ain't very fun. And, yeah. I, you know, it's how I, my very first girlfriend was, real girlfriend, not like little kid girlfriend, was because uh, we would go to swim in Tell City. Yeah. And uh, I think I can say her name. Cause I, what was her name? Carrie. I don't remember her last name, though. I remember I remember her. And she had a friend named Julie. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'll go ahead and say Alan. And I were... Alan was one of the better swimmers. And He's uh, really good. He's very good. And so we kind of double dated. We only did it a couple times and went to... Um, once I say did it, we only dated a couple times. We went to uh, uh, her Christmas dance. And I didn't want to go because I was so embarrassed because I didn't have any moves. I know I got moves today. I know it sounds hard to believe, but I didn't, I, she said, well, you at least just come and just do the slow dances with me. I said, okay, I can do that. I didn't know you did that. Yeah, so we went to the Christmas dance. They got a little picture, you know, like a backdrop and all that. And I remember the very first one I got up there on was like, every rose has a thorn by the poison. But, was this our senior year? Mm-hmm. Huh. I do not remember that. Yeah. And I remember at the end of the night... She kissed me, and I didn't know what was happening. It, it, it felt like, I, 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 Chris, I'm an idiot, so I don't know any better. But all, all of a sudden, her mouth is on mine, and it, I, feel, I remember it feeling like if nightcrawlers were like going in my mouth. And so you're getting tongue action, and everything. Yeah, and I didn't appreciate it. You know, I mean, I did. Like I was like, whoa, that that was gross, but I liked it. <laughs> but. I can see now it was probably a dud, uh-huh. you know, because I was so dumb and inexperienced, and and she was sweet. Eventually, she let me off the hook, so to speak. Like she, we met at one of the meets, swim meets or something, and she said, "I think you know, we should just be friends or something yeah. like that." So I, I wasn't mad. I was a little bit hurt, but now Alan and Julie wanted to marry and had at least two or three kids. Matter of fact, one of the kids from that marriage just graduated from Boonville mm-hmm. last year and her and my niece were on the dance team together. All right. I want to thank all my guests on this episode, including Chucky Chinelli, Falona Sabanda, Shana Comstam, Ilanka Dunan, and Brother McWilliams. And be sure to check out some of our previous episodes of Fluorescent Decade on a Hill, in addition to our other 80s podcast, Songs from a 1980s Roller Rink Dumpster. The In the Corner Back by the Woodpile podcast is produced by a closet, a pocket, and a suitcase. You can email us at spuncounterguy at hotmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at spuncounterguy. And if you'd like to see a list of former episodes of In the Corner Back by the Woodpile, go to spuncounterguy.com and click on the pictures of piles of wood with chairs in front. Be sure to download the new Podbean app to hear this podcast and others on your tablet and smartphone. And we are now on iTunes. Just do a search for Back by the Woodpile on the iTunes store and we should pop up. And a special thanks to thebrofisticate.com. <laughs>